0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. My name is Alvin. For those of you who are visiting us for the first first time, I serve as lead pastor here. Glad you're here. Um, It's been a good day. Uh, Christmas, I can't believe it's next week. We'll be here all day on Christmas Eve, three in the morning, candlelight at night. You guys are welcome to all of it if you want. Some of it will be here. Um, Last week we had a really great Sunday, it was our legacy Sunday, we end our year with the end of the year offering every year, and it's like our most generous time of the year as a church, and I just want to really thank Nashville Life for for showing up and just proving that once again that we are, I'll go as maybe one of the most generous churches, and Uh, because of your legacy giving, which is still coming. We're still, a legacy offering is still growing and we'll leave it open. But, um, even now, like we've, we're now able to double our missions budget for next year, bigger than what it was before. We originally had a plan and now we can double what we're doing in our serve days and our giving to other ministries and feeding the hungry. Like we can double and like, I mean, that's, that's the cool thing about church, um, you know, God has the vision, and my job as pastor is to try to cast that vision, but the pace of the vision really is in the hands of the church. Your generosity really determines how, how fast the vision can, can come to life. Uh, you can accelerate that. So things, you know, could take 10 years, it could take two years, and that's 100% dependent on the generosity of the church. So I want to thank you all for accelerating the vision through our legacy giving. Our missions went up. We get to renovate our back building uh, next year. By the end of the year, I believe all three floors will be renovated. We'll be able to have more kids events there, more life group space there, um, our staff area, and uh, it's it's, it's just really cool. It's really cool to be a part of a church like Nashville Life and uh, like I said, the number is still growing. You can still give today. And we'll just keep you updated on new things that we can do that we couldn't do before. Um, so, God bless you. Thank you for that. I thank God for you. Uh, we have a word for today. Before we get into it, um, I would like for us to prepare ourselves. And the way I like doing that is just through uh, this declaration of just getting our minds and our hearts ready for whatever God wants to say to us through Scripture. So, repeat these words after me. Say, the word, of God is the, bread of life. the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right. Um, last week I ended re- uh, referencing the lyric and joy to the world where it says, Let Every heart, prepare him room. And that concept of us preparing room for Jesus in our lives, I think there's more to say about it. Um, so, Luke chapter 14 is where I would like to start today. Luke chapter 14, it'll be on the screen if you don't have it with your Bibles. Um, verse 7, I'll start with verse 7 and I'll go to verse 11. It says, when Jesus noticed that all who had come to dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. Jesus says, when you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, he says, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then, when your host sees you, he will come and say, Friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. I love this scripture. It's one of my favorite passages. It's been like that for a while. And I really do try to live by this scripture. Um, And I say that um, not so much because I'm humble, but uh, I I like to avoid embarrassment. And this is a great advice of Jesus sharing us. If you want to avoid getting embarrassed, uh, don't be entitled. Don't assume the place of honor. Take the lower seat because it's better to be called up than to be sent down. Uh, it's very practical advice. I love the practicality of it. I think it's kind of funny as well. And uh, I've, just, I've just loved that. I try to live that way until uh, the last services. We were invited by a pastor to an event a while back and uh, I drove up and there was a parking attendant and they had me roll down my window because they were determining parking and stuff, and like, hey, can we help you? And I was like, yeah, I'm just here for the event. And they were like, uh, okay. And he was just kind of like nervous and just like there's a lot going on. He was like, are you, are are you, are you somebody? <laughs> I said, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm a person, right? And then I heard, hey, hey, I think it was his boss, the, the, the head parking attendant. i like, that's, is that, that's, that's, that's Alvin. He's a pastor. We have a spot reserved for him. I told you we have a spot reserved. Come on, tell him to come. He was like, man, why didn't you tell me you were somebody? I said, I didn't know I was somebody. So we pull into the seat, the parking spot that was reserved for us. And the parking attendant, we got out. And I was like, thank you." They said, Pastor told us you were gonna be like this. <laughs> I'm like, be like what? I just drove up and said I'm coming to church or coming to the event. So then I start thinking, if that was like this, like what's the alternative? Like, what do other people do? Like, I I just start like, do you walk up and say, I need the parking spot? Cause I'm I i do not know. I just start getting even grossed out about the alternative of what what else do you do other than what I did? I thought it was so basic what I did and for them to actually say he's going to be like this like be like what you know so I don't know how everybody else does it y'all like I don't know but if y'all go to Nashville Life ask for our house our culture our character our, our vibe when, when you're invited to something like don't Feel, don't be entitled let's not be entitled let's not assume um, honor and distinction let's let's be secure enough in ourselves where we can just take on the common low low spot not because we're insecure not because we feel bad about ourselves but you know I believe if you have enough knowledge of your value you don't have to demand it from others you don't have to demand honor like we can appreciate honor don't get me wrong it's nice feels nice but don't demand it don't expect it it's not a good look and it's just yeah don't do it please so so let's let's be let's be more let's be unassuming let's not let's can we agree to do that as a church like if if you're invited somewhere let's live by luke 14 and just you know Relax, and if, if, they, if they want to give you more, then they'll give you more, you know. Uh, Jesus was this way. In fact, I think uh, it wasn't until I was studying for this message that I really realized he wasn't just sharing this for the disciples, but I think he was really describing his life, his, his method, his philosophy um, for how he carried himself on earth. Uh, so I'm going to read it again, Luke 14, that same passage. But I want us to think of it in terms of Jesus and his life. And maybe we can see some parallels. Uh, verse 7 of Luke 14. When Jesus noticed that all who, can, who had come to the dinner were trying to sit at the seat, in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. I'm going to stop there for a sec. Uh, Jesus was sent to earth. It was not his will. It was not a product of his choice. It was, I shouldn't say his choice. It wasn't a product of his will. It was his father's will. His father sent him. And in obedience to his father, he came to earth. And when he came, he didn't come high and mighty. He came lowly and he came mildly. And I want to give a pointer to Anybody here who's in leadership, anyone who considers themselves a leader, um, you know, you alphas in the room, uh, you know who you are, uh, you assertive ones, the strong personalities, uh, I love y'all, and y'all serve a place in what we do. Um, But I understand that lowly and meek and mild, um, it doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you're timid, it doesn't mean that you're afraid. You can, be mold, you can be bold and still meek. You can be anointed and still mild. You can walk in your authority and still be unassuming. Um, and the reason why I know this is true is because Jesus did it. He did it well. And if we follow him, He can teach us how to be bold and powerful and all those things and still meek and still lowly and still humble. Let's keep going. Verse 10, sorry, verse 8 of the same chapter. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited, Jesus says. The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will uh, be embarrassed and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. Uh, Jesus voluntarily gave the distinguished seat to other people, Um, most notably his father. Jesus, whenever he was praised or called good, he always made it very clear to whoever was present that the real great one was his father. He always, whenever he was in a position to take glory, he always made it clear to whoever he was talking to that everything he was doing was under the direction and leadership and glory of his father. Um, he was he gave the distinguished seat to his parents. He even gave, I didn't say this in other service, he, was, he gave the distinguished seat to other priests. The Bible says that he actually allowed himself to be taught the scriptures. Jesus, the word of God, went through, like, Hebrew school. Like, he learned the Torah. He was taught scriptures. He, he, he knew how to give the seat of honor to others. The most recent, the more later example is when he did it with John the Baptist. Jesus went to John the Baptist and says, I want you to baptize me. And John the Baptist was like, What? Like, you're the Messiah. You want He goes, Yes. So this is the Lord that we have. Like, he was, he lived his life um, assuming the lower position, not because he was less than, but he lived by this principle. And this principle was for those who exalt themselves, they'll be humbled. Verse 11, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. That's why you don't don't do it because you think you're less than or because you think you're bad or you're not worth it. You do it because the scripture says those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus waited until the Father exalted him. In the meantime, he walked humbly, he walked lowly. He was so unassuming that people couldn't even fathom that he was the Messiah. That's how chill he was about the way that he presented himself, the way he carried himself, and he waited. It wasn't until he was being baptized by John the Baptist that the Father showed up, and he parted the heavens, and he audibly and publicly affirmed Jesus in front of everybody that was there and said, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. So Jesus was willing to wait until he was publicly affirmed by his father. I've seen this principle played out as far as humbling yourself and then being exalted in due time. I've seen this played out in my family's life. I've seen this played out in friends and families and in public figures. I've seen this, in the, though we have a lot of examples of this principle Uh, The greatest example is Jesus. Uh, The Father affirms Jesus. The Holy Spirit affirms Jesus. The church, the body of Christ, we affirm Jesus. We talk about how great Jesus is. Jesus walks humbly and he lets others tell of his greatness, which is why we, as the church, if you consider yourself a part of the church, the body of Christ, We have to take responsibility in this area. We have to boast about Jesus. We have to glorify him because it is not in his nature to glorify himself. We don't have a boastful king. We are not led by a boastful bragging king. So if he's going to be bragged about, it's got to be from us because he's not going to do it himself. He's not a self-promoter. So if Jesus is going to be promoted, it's got to be by us because it's not going to be by him. We have to take responsibility to exalt our king because we have a king who walks humbly. So if he's going to be exalted, it's got to be by us. The Father is already doing it. The Holy Spirit's doing it. And our job on earth, we are supposed to be the ones who are exalting Jesus because we just happen to have a king that won't exalt himself. Therefore, we must be self-motivated. We need to be... Uh, Praise initiators, so to speak. We're the ones who initiate praise. Again, why? Because we don't have a Jesus, we don't have a king that's going to say, praise me. You're just not going to hear from him. You're not going to hear him say, get on your knees and tell me I'm great. That's just a quote that you're not going to hear from Jesus. So we have to voluntarily get on our knees and praise him because he's, he's not going to break your knees and make you bend. He's not going to trip your feet and make you fall on the ground and assume a worship position. He's just not going to do it. Which is why the word says, humble yourself. The word, uh, the message title is prepare him room. Another word for prepare him room is humble yourself. And this is why. When the hymn is Jesus, when the hymn in prepare him room is Jesus, there is no other space for him to be than Lord. There is no other room that he should have in your life, or that he can have in your life, honestly, than being above you. So to prepare him room by default, like it's synonymous with humbling yourself, because. When you humble yourself, you're creating space where? At the top. If I stood on a stool, I'd be creating space under me. When I lift myself, you're creating space under you. You can only create space above you if you lower yourself. So to prepare room for Jesus is to lower yourself and therefore create space for him to occupy above you. Humility is our responsibility. Humility is your responsibility. The Bible says that we humble ourselves. If any man is humble, it's because they've humbled themselves. If anyone has humility, it's because they have voluntarily humbled themselves. If you don't humble yourself, Jesus will let you continue to walk in pride. That's what's sobering. He'll let you continue being in pride. Like, he's not going to force you to, into humility I told last service some of you all need to retire the humble me prayer. It's not a scriptural prayer. Lord, make me humble. It's not biblical. The Bible says you humble yourself. Stop praying for God to do something that He's already told you that was your job. It is your job to to humble yourself, it's no one else's job but yours, not even God. Amen? Amen. There is no rightful seat for Jesus other than Lord. He doesn't fit in any other seat. Remember Goldilocks and the Three Bears? There was like one seat that was too big, one seat that was too small, and there was one that was just right. The seat that is just right for Jesus is the throne over your life. No other seat fits. Every other seat, it doesn't fit. He's like, this doesn't, uh." the only seat that is built for him is the throne and king and lordship over your life. Now, you're not going to hear this. From Jesus necessarily. Because like I said, he doesn't assert his lordship over you. That's just not what he does. It's not what he was sent to do. It's not his personality. It's not his character. And it's not his job. So if Jesus isn't the one saying praise me and, and worship me and bow down to me, then where is this pull coming from? Where is this draw coming from that we all feel sometimes that we're supposed to be worshiping Jesus and we're supposed to be bowing down to Jesus? Jesus. It's coming from his Father. God the Father is the one who enforces the lordship of Jesus over our life. It is the Father that is making Jesus's lordship a requirement for your life and for your salvation. The Father is behind this whole thing. Jesus is doing what he's told by the Father. It's the father that's enforcing and continuing to draw our attention to the lordship of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is helping Him. Isaiah 9, 6. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those are some fancy titles. The father gave Jesus those titles. Jesus didn't create those names for himself. He didn't say, hmm, you know what? I want to be called Wonderful. I want to be called Counselor. It was the father, almost like how we name our kids. Honey didn't name herself. We named her Honey. Jesus didn't name himself Wonderful Counselor. The father said, we are going to call him wonderful. We are going to call him mighty God. We are going to call him everlasting father. We are going to call him prince of peace. And if you want to be good with me, then you call him that too. Parents in there, imagine everybody else. Imagine there being that random person that refuses to call your kid the name that you gave them. Moms, you already know. How annoyed. How annoyed. And furious you'd be. That's how God feels when we don't address his son the way that he named him. He named him to be king. He named him to be Lord. And he will only accept people who call his son what he called him to be. Luke chapter 1, verse 30 through 33 The angel told her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will become pregnant, give birth to a son, and name him Jesus. The father even told Mary what to name him. His name is going to be Jesus. He will be a great man. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him... The throne of his ancestor David. Your son will be king of Jacob's people forever and his kingdom will never end. The scripture says God the Father gave Jesus the throne. Jesus didn't assume the throne. He didn't take the throne. He didn't assert himself in the throne. The throne was given to him by the Father. The Father is behind the high position that Jesus is required to take in our lives. It's the father, y'all. It's the dad. The dad is behind this. Like when you're watching a movie and you're trying to find out who did it, like it's the dad. (laughs) It was the dad. The dad was the one that made this this order for Jesus to be Lord over your life and the Lord over everybody's life that you ever met. Now the modern world, we struggle with this. The modern world, we don't like being told who's the leader. We want to determine that ourselves. And in some ways, that's appropriate. Hence, democracy. I love that we live in a democracy. Our nation is under a democracy, but our world is under a theocracy. It always has been and always will be. There are contexts and times where our thoughts and our thinking and our opinions matter and then there are certain cases where what we think doesn't matter at all and one of the areas where none of our thoughts and opinions matter is who Jesus is and where he sits Jesus sits as king over the world whether you agree or not Jesus is king whether whether you say it or not And we can cry and we can pitch a fit and we can gripe and we can comment and we can post all we want. And nothing's going to change because this world was under God's control before we entered the world. And the world will be under God's control after we're gone. So don't get me wrong. There are certain spaces where your thoughts matter. There are some spaces where your opinion matters. And I mean that. I'm not trying to be cute. But there are times where it doesn't. And Jesus is king. Now, we, what, what sets us off and what trips us up sometimes, what can be a stumbling block, is the humility of Jesus. He's so humble. He's so meek. He's so friendly. He's so approachable. He's so nice. He's so patient. So much just so to where it, it actually can cause certain people to struggle actually seeing him as king because he doesn't fit what we've been trained to think that kings are supposed to be. That's what tripped up the people when he was walking the earth. And during the during his ministry, they just couldn't compu- they couldn't reconcile someone that they can actually eat lunch with being king. It just it messed up it, it didn't fit their concept of what authority like we we can we can touch him. He he laughs with us. He he touches lepers. That's not how kings act. There's no way he can be king. And I don't want us to make the same mistake. I don't want us to to mistake Jesus' personality with his position. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, many of us Are allowing the personality of Jesus to misinterpret the position that he's actually meant to call in your life, have in your life. He's patient, he's meek, he's a servant, but lordship is his domain. That's where he sits, it's his habitat, it's where he functions. Jesus has never been able to function as a lateral. If you try to put Jesus in a lateral position in your life, he will not function in your life. He's never been able to function as a subordinate. Jesus doesn't function until he reigns. He doesn't function until he's Lord. And proof of it is that look at any life Any life, including your own maybe, where he is not Lord. Any human life that he is not Lord over, you will see defects in every single life. You will see the lack of his effect in any life where he is not Lord. Now, for lives that he is Lord, are they perfect? No, but there's something called the blood covering. And it covers them, and his perfection actually makes up for their imperfection and they still somehow walking and living holy. It's a, it's a miracle. You don't have that when he's not lord. The peace of Jesus, the power of Jesus. These are things that only manifest in your life when he's lord. If he's next to you it's not happening. If he's behind you, it can't happen. If he's under you, it's impossible. The activation of his peace and his power cannot actually activate and manifest until he's Lord. It's like science. like It's impossible for him to function the way he was created and uh, came to function if he's not Lord. The love of Jesus, check this, the love of Jesus... Can't even fully manifest until he's over. Now, does that mean he doesn't love you? Yes. No, it doesn't mean that. Jesus loves you even if he's not Lord. Sorry. Jesus loves you, but it is possible, and unfortunately, it's the majority of us, though we're loved, we're not experiencing his love. It's possible to be loved by God and not experience it. It is possible to be loved by God but not experience his love. The experience doesn't come alive until he's Lord. It doesn't. He has love for you, but the love, and let me, again, let me just try, it's, it's, it's a lot more practical than you think. If there was a bucket of love being poured down over there, and the bucket was this big, would it pour on me? Why? I'm not under it. What if I move and get under it? It's on me now. Same love, but I'm not positioned to receive it. Jesus is pouring down power. Transformation, revelation, healing, all of these things, this very second. And if it's not on you, it's not because he's not pouring it. You have to place yourself under him. He's not moving. You have to move to him. Like, he came to us once. He came. He said, I did that. I came to y'all. I stayed down for 33 years. I was crucified. I came to y'all. Now y'all got to come to me. I came to you. You got to meet me. You, you have to shape your life under him. You, we, he's the potter. We're the clay. And I believe we have allowed ourselves to get confused. People miss this revelation because of the humility of our Lord. I'm telling y'all, his humility, do not let it be a stumbling block. Do not mistake his meekness for weakness. Do not mistake his patience for tolerance. Do not mistake his gentleness for approval. A lot of us think because we're not breaking out in uh, leprosy that God is pleased with our lives, We think because we're still we have money in the bank and we still have our gifts and talents and we can still laugh and gather for Christmas that Jesus is pleased with us. We're mistaking his his patience for acceptance. We're accept we're we're mistaking his gentleness for approval. And the reason why we because he's not he's not gonna force himself. To be your Lord, you have to make him your Lord, right? We have to make him Lord. We have to exalt him as king. We have to voluntarily humble ourselves and position him as the authority of our life because he's not going to force his authority on you. And I think that that's that's one of the biggest areas of deception. He's not, that's just not, I'm telling y'all about Jesus. He's not gonna run you down. Find me the scripture where he chased the young rich ruler. When the young rich ruler walked away, that's the end of that story. Because Jesus is not, he's, he's, he does. He's not going to bully you into submission. The only way you will experience submission is if you submit yourself. Again, if he's not the one pushing for this, then who is? It's the dad. The Father is the one who is commanding this. The Father is the one who is enforcing this. The Father is the one who is telling all of us that we have to do this and there's no other option. And I got proof. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. I'm almost done. Luke chapter 9, 28 through 36. Are y'all good? Is it making sense? Okay. Okay. Luke 9, 28 through 36, it says, now about eight days later, after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face, of Jesus' face, uh, was altered, the Bible says, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, which is amazing One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. He thought this was a good idea. He thought he came up with a, a nice idea. I see three glorious figures. Let's make three tents. All you have your own tent. And guess what? I'll build it for you. As he was saying these things, a cloud came. And overshadowed them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. Exclamation point. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Every once in a while, the Father sent Jesus. You know, he broke bread with the sinner. He, he you know, did his miracles. He, he showed mercy. He forgave. He was... He was accessible, the, the poor and the the forgotten, you know, he was just he, the kids came and you know sat in his lap and he just every once in a while the father has to show up to make things clear and bring order back to a situation. We as people, we have a habit of diminishing Jesus to the level of us. We, we really love the humanity of Jesus so much that sometimes we, 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 we bring him at our level. And when that happens, the Father has to show up to make it clear that Jesus stands alone. He doesn't share his space, his position, his authority with anyone. As great as Moses is, as great as Elijah is, none of them can touch this one. Chosen one, don't get it twisted. There's greatness, then there's Jesus. Jesus stands alone. And when he came, y'all, the Bible says the disciples were afraid. And I don't think they were afraid because God is mean, but I believe they could sense they were dealing with a father who didn't play games. And when you have the authority of a father, remember Lion King, when Mufasa, it was like, Mufasa, Mufasa. Like when the, there there was a roar that Simba just couldn't do like Mufasa. And when Mufasa came, it had a little bit of a different effect. So yes, Jesus is the son, mild, meek, gentle lamb, baby Jesus, oh sweet baby Jesus. But there's a father, and the father's no baby. You can't wrap him up in swaddling clothes. You you can't rock him. You can't tame him. You can't whip him. You You can't mock him. So while Jesus is playing his role of being the accessible friend that all of us can feel so comfortable with, Sometimes we get a little bit too comfortable. We get a little bit too familiar with this sweet, friendly Jesus. And the father has to step on the scene and clear up in case there's any confusion. That there is a force behind this command to bow down to my son and to listen to my son. It's not a suggestion. And that's a thing. Because the father, father's almost like, you know, when you have that person that can be like, Uh, The Father gives Jesus the freedom to be be that friend to us in, in, in the way that he treats us and the way that he feels. But it's the Father that reminds all of us that Jesus is not just a friend to you. He is not just your neighbor. He is not just your pal. He is your king. And the Father is the one that reminds us all this is who you bow down to. This is your king. If you want to know me, if you want to stay on my good side, you worship my son. You listen to my son. You obey my son. And Jesus is like, that's my dad. <laughs> that's my dad. I mean, that was him during his ministry. He always told them, y'all, y'all know me, but there, there's I've got my father. There's a father that y'all that y'all haven't you know you see I'm on your way to the father but my father is is really at one time they said Jesus you're so he said they called him a good teacher he said no one is good except my father Jesus is trying to warn us that he has a father that is not for games this father is not someone to be played with and while we are trying to get a sense of this order. I want us to just make sure. The, the biggest thing today, especially, you know, Christmas time, there's just a lot of baby images. We were just at the museum. There's a lot of baby images of Jesus. And, yes, he was a baby. But, but guys, behind him is his father. And the father is who is, is bringing the weight of the moment and saying, guys, if he's not Lord, he's nothing to you. If he's not Lord, you can't live. Philippians 2, last scripture, verse 9 through 11. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Him is Jesus. God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Above every name, not next to every name. Above every name, including yours, by the way. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That's everybody. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. It's the Father, y'all. Today on this Christmas season, I feel very led to remind you of the Father. And the father is a force that we must acknowledge if we are wise. And this is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ has a father. And his father is commanding all of us to bow and worship his son. King Herod is kind of the villain of the, you know, gospel story. He was king of the Jews. He heard that the king of the Jews was being born, and he said, oh, this can't be. i got to kill whoever this threat is because I've got to protect and defend my position as king of the Jews. And all of us, we've heard these stories for years, and we all, without much effort at all, really associate King Herod as being the villain. But I want to bridge an inconvenient bridge for you today that hopefully can bring some help after it brings some conviction We might be more like King Herod than we realize. And while none of us in this room can identify with defending our position as king of a nation, all of us in here can identify with defending our position of king of our lives. So yes, you might not be defending your position as being king of the Jews, but perhaps you're defending your position to be king of your life. And if that's you, you might, we might be more like King Herod than we realize to where we are willing to do whatever and remove whoever to keep our position as head honcho over our lives. And you can't be a Christian and be Lord of your life. You can't be a Christian and be king of your life. You can't be Christian. You can't be saved and still govern your life. Any person that experiences Jesus as Lord has to first remove themselves from the seat of Lord and prepare him room for the seat that you used to sit in. All of us, if, if you want Jesus to be Lord, you have to get up. If you want him to be Lord, you have to move because there's a seat that doesn't belong to you anymore. And that seat is the seat of Lord and king of your life. So today, I believe the father is bringing that cloud and saying, we are, many of us are sitting in a seat that doesn't belong to us. And he's telling us, if you want him to be Lord, get up. And reserve that seat of authority over your life for him and him alone. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I I speak for myself. Lord, I, I get up from the seat of king of my life and Lord of my life. No longer do I give myself the right to determine who I am, what I do, what I say, how I say it, where I go. Today, I in front of these people, in front of you, God, I make room for you. I prepare a place for you. And that place is Lord over my life. It is you who tells me who I am. It is you who tells me what I think. It is, who, it is you who tells me, tells me what to do with my life, where to go who to talk to, how to be. No longer will I tell you my personality, but from now on, you as Lord, you tell me my personality. You tell me my desires. You tell me. Forgive us, Lord, for not understanding how literal Lordship is. Lord, if we made it a religious term where we just kind of lightly say, Lord, but God, today clarify, forgive us, Lord, for, for not seeing Lordship for what it really is. Lord, we bow to you, we humble ourselves for anybody in the room who's been king of their life. Lord, I pray that you inspire them to get up from that seat and prepare a place for you to sit there. Lord, I thank you in advance for the change and the the beauty and the blessings and the transformation that comes from having you as Lord of our lives. Actual Lord of our lives. Lord, let us not just say it anymore. Let us not lie to ourselves if if we are. But Lord, if you're Lord, we're making you Lord and we're gonna let you be Lord. We make you Lord today over our lives. We submit to you in Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask us to stand in the prayer team to get in position. Today, before we go, we want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus king, king of your life, to make him the Lord of your life, to place him in the seat of honor over your life. And when that happens, I really do believe you will immediately sense his authority and all that he's been pouring out for centuries will now fall on you. Clarity, understanding, mercy, peace, relief, transformation, revelation, strength, joy. I mean, the things that you really long for will reign on you freely when he sits on the throne above your life. So if you want that, if you're ready for that, you can make that decision today. Repeat this prayer after me if you want. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus I pray. Can we all say amen? Can we praise God like he's king? Like he's king. Like a king worthy praise. Hallelujah, we glorify you. Thank you Jesus, King Jesus, Lord Jesus merciful Jesus, powerful Jesus, wonderful Jesus, everlasting Jesus, resurrection Jesus, forever Jesus, we love you, we glorify you, we humble ourselves God before you. If you said yes to the Lord Jesus, congratulations. Few things before we go, we have a prayer team. These people love God and they love you. They're here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, do not hesitate on the way out. They want to serve you. No pressure, but if you want it, we are here to pray for you if you need it for anything. You can text the word BELONG to get more involved, find out more information about Nashville Life. We welcome you to do that. We would love to connect with you that way. And then lastly, in one minute, when I dismiss, we have our next steps meeting. So you can go upstairs. And we just share the vision of our church. It's just informative. You're not committing to anything. But if you want to hear more about the church, and meet the leadership. We'll be here at 1 o'clock now. And uh, we would love to meet you. And I hope you have a really great week. I hope you get your shopping in and all that. Uh, Next week we'll be right here. I can't wait to celebrate Christmas with you all for Christmas Eve. Sunday if you're in town, come on back. And uh, I just pray y'all have a great rest of the day. Enjoy the lordship of Jesus, all right? Enjoy his lordship, and I'll talk to y'all next time. Love you.